What is up, everybody? AJ Capasso here, and I am ready for tonight. So ready that I even got my corrections hat to put this guy behind bars tonight. So I'm going to put this sucker on. Let's do this. Your corrections hat. Oh, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's what you should be doing. What? Corrections? Yeah, maybe mm. uh, Maybe your your aunt can get you involved. Would you be allowed? Uh, I would. I would love to, but when you actually get arrested and you spend time behind there, you don't ever want to go back, you know? So now that I've been anywhere serious or anything, I've never done anything serious, but it's like that little time at the jail, at the, at the police station, that's good enough for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just for being a stupid teenager, I'm good. <laughs> I don't okay. want to go back to those places. <laughs> okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Hey, how are you? Uh, we got uh, Chris in the room and, uh, it's not. I apparently he got the notification today, because he 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 yeah. spoke to me last week. He goes, I don't know why I'm not getting the notifications. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was wondering why that happened. Did you figure out why? No, I I get them. Like I got all of them right now. Yeah, when we too. when yeah. I started the live. So yeah. I'm I I get everyone's when they go it's up. Chris. Definitely Chris. Yeah. It's Chris. <laughs> yeah. See, Joanne got her. Joanne got yeah. hers, you know. See, Joanne, then it's totally you, Chris. I told you, you got a problem. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> it, it's got to be him. So, uh, but anyways, so how you been? Good, good. I'm doing I'm doing good. It's been a oh, busy week. Go. I mean, it's good, you know, man. I, everything's going go. great. Super. Yep, there we go. Yeah, um, Super excited about Parapost, man. Super excited about global, the growth, um, everything, the new team signing up. It's just, a, it's an amazing week, man. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, that, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we did have another team sign up yesterday yep. and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his. Now, the great thing is he's signing up for uh, the spring event and he signed up for the fall event. Yeah. So which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. So that's great. Um, Jesse, uh, he's a great guy. I've had the opportunity to be on his show. Oh, awesome. And uh, that that was shown on TikTok. His show is on TikTok, so he does all his interviews th through there. But oh, uh, he was on, yeah. yeah, he was on through the lens as well. 
Um, oh, okay. me, I believe it was, uh, I believe, yeah, it was me and Lex that had him on. Uh, he's just a great guy. Uh, he's oh, only wow. been in the paranormal for a short period. He hasn't been in very long, but uh, he enjoys it and he does very, very well. I've seen some of his videos and he captures, these captures some pretty good stuff. And uh, his, uh, his group name is called the, and it's, it's an interesting name. I, I can't recall why, how he came up with this name, but it's called the Scarethusiast Club. Oh, yes, I do know him then. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I know Jesse then. Oh, this is awesome. Okay. Wow, Have I you didn't seen even my TikTok? Me. Yeah, I'm bad. Well, you know me. I'm shot, so I'm bad with names. But now yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, all right. So, uh, yeah, so he's, he signed up yesterday. And I was talking to Scott Matthewson yesterday. And I found out yesterday he's going to be signing up. So uh, he's uh, he should be doing it soon as well. I believe, I don't know, I haven't spoken to John in a while. The last time I spoke to John from GSI, he told me he was signing up. I don't know if that's changed or not, but mm. uh, yeah, we're going to be getting the teams. And this happened last year, right? Around when, yeah. we, oh, when yeah. did, we did the May event. P teams started signing up around January, and then it was just... The, yeah, it it really the closer it got, the more yeah. involved. So. I mean, a lot of people, it's hard to, you know, put your trust, you know, giving money out so like early especially near christmas time coming you know so i think yeah. it's like with christmas after christmas everybody's finally getting back to everything regular and you know having their time well, to get things together you know we've been really publicizing the two packages no and it's been great it's been great but i think that that's why we always see that little gap i think you know so far with the past two years that we've had it i think that that may be the reason because you know christmas is a special time and we do spend yeah. a lot on the people we love so so there you go. He did Scott. Uh, Scott and uh, John are very good friends. Oh, from, awesome. uh, DSI uh, investigations. I spent time with them in the UK. Uh, John awesome. and his team, and uh, great guys. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, but I was going to say something. I can't remember. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The two packages. Uh, Scott. Scott didn't know about the two packages, so I filmed them in. Oh yeah. But we've been not. really, we've been really shouting that out about the two packages, and and uh, it is. But on it should the be said more. Yeah. It no, it's all right. It be, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and once you start signing it up, right at the the bottom there, it offers the two packages when you sign up too. So yeah, uh, yeah. and just to let people know, it is package A is one hundred and package B is fifty. Uh, and there's not a lot of differences between the two, but there are some, uh, yeah. but the reason we put in package B is because there were a lot of people that couldn't do package A. So that's why we put in package B because really we want everybody to, um, we want everybody to join or take advantage because it's a really yeah. good time, uh, to yeah. get your team out there and especially your location as well. If you are a fan of locations and you're in your, you are like an advocate of protecting these locations or preserving them, yeah. this yeah. event is for you because that's what you're doing for the location when you're in yeah. investigating. You're preserving that location. Whether they're popular or not, you know, they still need teams to come out there. You know, if yeah. you happen to catch something during your investigation, I guarantee a team's going to want to go in there and catch the same thing, if not more. Oh, so absolutely. Um, this absolutely. is a great time for teams to really, really, uh, really, really, you know, get involved in this event, especially, like I said, if they're 
if they're in favor of uh, preserving these locations. And that's why we do the global ghost hunt. So I just yeah. want to quickly let everyone know who's watching that, who, if you have a team and you want to get involved in this, a little bit to let you know about the amount of exposure that teams are getting just from the past year that we had this. Um, the first event went from like, what, 90,000 reached to now our second event was over 169,000 and it was literally yeah, on just no, one uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, the May's event was just around 139. Oh, okay. 139. Okay. All together with all the platforms. And oh, then, all the platforms. Um, okay. And then the October event was just under 200K with all the platforms. Yeah. Yeah. So and I know our were, YouTube though got a lot though because of it. I know. Well, that. yeah, it got it got a lot of views, but it yeah. also got a lot more impressions. Um, yeah. And that's where it really jumped in the impressions. And I yeah. know people don't think impressions count, but they do. So yeah. uh, Facebook did extremely well for us uh, for the yeah. October's event, and and yeah. so did and so did uh, and so did Mays. Yeah. Mays did extremely well for us too. Like I got all the numbers and stuff like that, yeah. and. You know, and uh, it's it's it, it was good. It was good, and it's only getting better. It's only growing more. So, yeah. So, other than that, yeah. your show was good today. Saw your Thank show. You so Thank you. Yes, yeah. Who was that sitting beside? Who was that sitting beside you? That was my little niece. She asked me okay. uh, during the week. She's like, "Can I come on your podcast? Can I be okay. a host with you?" I said, "Yeah, of course." I said, "We actually have some amazing people coming on." So why don't you come down and join us? And then she came home real quick from her friend. She's like, come on, if I sit in. And I was like, come mm -hmm. on. So she had a blast. So it was a good time. I figured that's who it was, but I wasn't sure. I missed the first few minutes. Yeah. Time, so, yeah. Um, but other than that. Okay. So today's show. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I mean, it's, I can't. What, I, have to, it's I have to be honest. Like, when I watched some of this uh, video yesterday, yeah. I saw it the other day too. And I was really hesitating on doing this only because there's a child involved. Yeah. And we've had this so, conversation. We've had yeah, before we, we started did. the podcast, but you know what though? This is important. I think the show. So, yeah. And you know, I put, if you guys can check out once the show's over or whatever, while you're watching the show, uh, read the description because um, I put something in the description that I think you guys should read because we are not glorifying these people at all. No, and we're not. We're just bringing awareness um, to these cases, sometimes the justice system as well, how it yeah. fails some of these people. Uh, so we're doing a lot more of that than just about like this particular video is more about the aftermath. Yes. Um, it's still, I still put the viewer discretion advice because if you were not um, comfortable because it is a child, then we don't blame you if you want to leave. Yeah. So um, and that's okay. But again, this Roy uh, Whiting guy, and it's funny, every time, and I'm sorry I've done this. I, now, this is two weeks in a row that put I, again, put, I, I, put, I put UK in the spotlight here. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so uh, it's funny because when I put it up when I put it up last night, Emma from uh, uh, the Ghoul Gang wrote a message, yeah. and you know she wrote a little bit and then put ex, you know things. Yeah. she didn't say the actual word for the guy, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So she, I, I, she knows about this person, and to be honest, it's it's fairly recent. 
It's yeah. only in uh, the year 2000 uh, yeah. that this girl was unfortunately kidnapped. Um, it was in the July of 2000. This guy was actually uh, put in jail. Uh, I believe it was uh, December 2001. But I guess the real sad thing is it took seven months um, to get this guy. Um, and I think it, and again, I haven't watched the whole video, but, uh, DNA, DNA, um, one of the best things to ever come in. Yeah. You can't get away with it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, there you go. Yes. And I did read a little bit of that as well about the Sarah's law. Yeah. Yes. This guy is a, uh, to put it nicely, he is, you know, he is a monster. Yeah. I don't know. Um, real is. quick, though, real quick before we start, I just want to say to everyone to thank you for the case that we did for the family of the petition. I've been keeping an eye on that petition for the family um, of the girl, of the, her parents, so that she can get justice. The one on Australia? Renee, Renee's Law, yeah, in Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, from our show, not saying it's just from our show, but ever since we did this show, it actually has jumped up a lot. So I just want to thank our viewers or whoever took the time out to actually do that for the family, because it means a real lot. It really does. Yeah. And you know, like I know some people don't know that come and watch our show. Uh, this show is actually on uh podcast as well, like Spotify and all those different yep. podcasts. And uh, I'm not sure what the views got on that one, but I know our podcast is going up uh, through Spotify and all those other places. So yeah. hopefully people were listening through that as well. And, uh, and you know, it's funny. We never say hi to the people in the podcast world. I know. Hi, podcast world. That only listen to audio. Now, one question Uh, I did want to ask you. Yeah. When you put those audios up, are you getting rid of the intros? What do you mean? No. Well, yeah, you should be. Why? You should be. Because, uh, you know, I was watching Tanner. I was watching Tanner the other day or yesterday. On his show, and he uh, he was saying that you really you should get rid of the intros on like your podcast, our, like our oh, music okay. intro, like cut oh, that okay. out, just go oh. straight to the podcast because you tend to lose people. Um, oh, smart! I didn't you. think of that. I didn't okay, know that you, either. Yeah, I didn't know that you, either. So it's probably a good thing if you're uploading your audio to uh, all these different kinds of podcasts. Get rid of the intro. Oh, gotcha. I'll do that for now. Because obviously people can't that. see it, right? But I do well, want to let people I do hmm. want to let people know in the podcast world, if you want to see this video, come right over to Parapost Network Central on Facebook and you can watch the actual video of this uh of this uh podcast. Or thank podcast. you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, that's you for awesome, that. Jeff. Thank you very much. Awesome. That's great. That's fantastic. So Roy Whiting. Uh, yeah, he was uh, convicted of the abduction and murder of Sarah Payne. Obviously, this was a very popular case back in uh, the year 2000. Um, I think we should just get straight to the video. Uh, this guy, wa- I do, I do want to say this guy was born. This guy right now is 64 years old, and uh, he was born in West Sussex in United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, and. Uh, I did not know this, but he was married. He's married. He oh, was married. More, he was married. More. He was married from 1986 to 1990 by uh, a woman. Uh, her name is Linda Booker. 
Oh, see, I didn't read into her his life like that. I read into the crime, and I'm like, that was enough for me. I'm like, I, I don't even want to know what you did personally. You know what I mean? Yeah, Sick, yeah, you know, Sick yeah. But. That's uh, and one one thing I do want to add. Um, this guy has not had a very pleasant experience in jail either. <laughs> Karma has came, and you know what? Nor should he. Uh, Nor apparently, should he. Apparently, I read a little uh, article that. Uh, He's been severely been beaten twice uh, in jail and close to death. Uh, yeah. So, uh, it, to be honest, he's gotten away. He's gotten away scot free when it comes to that. But uh, anyhow, other than that, let's get yeah. to the video. And again, um, if you are not comfortable with this, we uh, we understand if you're going to leave. Um, we get yeah. it, uh, but uh, we think it's important. So let's get this started. July the 1st, 2000, eight-year-old schoolgirl Sarah Payne was snatched from the street in front of her grandparents' house at Littlehampton in West Sussex. For the next fortnight, the whole of the UK was gripped as the police desperately searched for the little girl. Everybody wants to find that child because a missing child is every parent's worst nightmare. But Sarah would never be found. She had been abducted and murdered by a 41-year-old convicted paedophile called Roy Whiting. This was a girl he didn't know who fell into the hands of what could only be described as a monster. Whiting was the number one suspect, but the police had no evidence and had to release him back into the public. I mean, I had nightmares about it. I literally had nightmares over the first few weeks. What happens if he takes the third child? The whole of the UK wanted to see justice served upon Roy Whiting, one of the world's most evil killers. a new story that broke hearts across the nation. When the body of Sarah Payne was found on the 17th of July 2000, it brought the search for the eight-year-old girl to a devastating end. She had been missing for over two weeks after being snatched from the street by a known paedophile called Roy Whiting. The search for the blonde schoolgirl had captivated the whole of Britain. Soft, gentle little girl. She hasn't got a horrible bone in her body. 
Somebody out there must have seen her. They must have seen her on that rope. They must have seen her. Sky News anchorman Jeremy Thompson was just one of those following the story. The scale of the search was huge right across the country. Everybody was looking for Sarah Payne, hoping that they might help police to find her. In the end, of course, as so often happens in these sort of cases, the perpetrator was right under the police's nose, just a few miles away from where Sarah Payne had gone missing. It was a case that affected everyone involved, including lead detective Martin Underhill. That picture shows innocence. It also shows happiness. Those eyes, those beautiful eyes that are smiling at you, actually, they show completeness. And all that was taken away. And her photo will live forever. The murderer, 41-year-old Roy Whiting, had long been suspected as her killer. But it took over seven months to gather all the evidence needed to finally put him behind bars. He was a loser, he was a loner, and he'll always be remembered for the wrong reasons, which is, he was a monster who killed a little girl. This killer's story begins almost 60 years ago. Whiting was born on January the 26th, 1959, in Horsham, in West Sussex. And he grew up in nearby Crawley. It was a family that was beset by quite a lot of tragedy. So there were six children, and three of them died in infancy. So an awful lot of trauma to cope with quite early on in his life. Life for the young man didn't get any easier. Whiting's parents, George and Pamela, divorced when he was in his teens. Roy Whiting left school without any qualifications whatsoever. Um, he was somebody who didn't really get along in school. He wasn't particularly academic. Um, he didn't really fit in at all, whether socially or in, in terms of his studies. So he was always a bit of an outcast. Whiting was clearly a bit of an oddball, a loner. Friends described him as a bit of a Billy No-Mates. When you combine that with the insecure attachments he had within the family, that the lack of relationship with, with his mother, um, the, the disrupted relationship with his father, it does start to, to write a bit of a script. As he entered adulthood, Whiting found a passion for cars and he began working in a local garage. In 1986, he married a woman he'd met when she was working as an attendant at a petrol station. And they had a child together, but they separated and, and ended up getting divorced. By 1990, 31-year-old Whiting was living alone in his hometown of Crawley. It's pretty clear to me that Whiting developed an increasing interest in young girls, girls in their early years, and he, I'm sure, fought to some extent to control that obsession. Pedophilia is actually a sexual social disorder that manifests itself in, in, in deviant behavior. That's what it is. It's like you have a, a disturbance of sexual disorder in your brain, and instead of doing nothing about it, you go and you, and you attack kids. I think he probably recognized it in himself, 
but didn't quite know how to handle it. And so I think you got that classic mental conflict that afflicts paedophiles and indeed affects serial killers. Part of them thinks, I want to do it, and part of them thinks, no, you mustn't. But Whiting struggled to control his depraved urges. Eyewitnesses, neighbours, people in the vicinity where he lived talked later about how they believed that he was seen quite often scouting for girls, as somebody said, that around school going at home time, that he would set off in his van and head off to local schools to see what he could see. So he's probably doing two things at this point in time. He's fantasizing um, about what he would do if he was on his own with one of these children. He's also identifying vulnerabilities. He's getting familiar with, with this, this victim group. He, he really is a predator getting ready to pounce on his prey. At the age of 36, Whiting couldn't resist his urges any longer. On the 4th of March, 1995, he gave in to what you might, I suppose, describe as the wolf within him, and abducted a young girl. He literally oh, scooped her up off the street, took her away to a wooded area where he sexually assaulted her. So this was a really horrendous crime. Soon after the abduction, Whiting had sold his car to avoid detection, but the police soon tracked it down, and forensic evidence within left them with little doubt. Good. It became abundantly clear to the police that this was indeed the car in which the poor girl had been abducted. They arrested and charged Whiting with a sexual attack on a young girl. In June 1995, Roy Whiting was sentenced to just four years in prison for the kidnap and assault of a nine-year-old girl. Four years? Yeah. Before he went to trial, oh, a psychiatrist Jesus. examined him and came to the conclusion that Whiting was not a paedophile, that this was a one-off event and that he was very unlikely to re-offend. Unreal. While he was in prison, however, there was a second psychiatric report which suggested that not only was he likely to re-offend again, but he was certain to effectively, that the, this was a man who was obsessed with young girls. Unbelievable. Whiting served just two and a half years, years off his it's sentence, been. and in 1997, he was back on the streets, albeit with a mark against his name. He was one of the first people to be placed on what was then a new thing called the Sex Offenders Register. A registered sex offenders have to be known to the police and where they live is important, and there has to be an accurate record of them, and they have to report to the police on a regular basis. Whiting didn't return to Crawley and instead headed for Littlehampton on the south coast of England. Well, after leaving prison, Roy Whiting moved to a, a seaside town, um, a town full of families, a town full of children, and this was no accident. And essentially, he tried to blend in on a superficial level in terms of jobs, um, in terms of appearing to be an average guy. But this wasn't going to last because he was very intent that he was going to offend again. They know they can never curb the urge. They can postpone the urge 
for years, but they will come again and they will attack again. He was quite, uh, I think, ashamed of who he was. Uh, he didn't like himself very much. And he wanted to exert power. He wanted to exert control. And that's what turned him into the predator he became. On July the 1st, 2000, Sarah and Michael Payne had taken their four children to Kingston Gorse in Littlehampton to visit family. It would be a day that would change their lives forever. In the late evening, eight-year-old Sarah was playing with her brothers and sister in a field opposite her grandparents' home when she suddenly vanished. It seemed that Sarah was a few yards behind the others and they were out playing and suddenly they looked round and she was no longer there. She disappeared. It was well into the evening before the family got concerned enough after they'd searched themselves, before they raised the alarm. Sarah's older brother, Lee, told police that he saw a man in a white van speeding away just after losing sight of his sister. There was a real possibility that she'd been snatched. What do you want to say? It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your kid's at? You remember that? Remember that commercial, or did you guys not yeah. have that? In Canada? Yeah, we had okay, that. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like really, you waited that long to realize your that little child was gone. Like that would never happen nowadays. You people would be freaking out. Yeah, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's just so sad. So sad, you know. Yeah. This was something that happened very, very quickly. It was a real blitz abduction. Um, there, there was no grooming. That there was no kind of manipulation. It was something that that happened very, very fast. The best advice we had was that a child abducted by a paedophile would be dead within six hours. The police oh, wow. had to work fast. They needed to track down the man in the white van. Their hope was he would lead them to the eight-year-old girl and Sarah Payne could be brought home. Her distraught family dialed 999. The call came in at 9 p.m. on a Saturday night and by 10, the balloon had gone up. And, and that's a policing term for you escalate it right to the top, to the assistant chief constable, the deputy chief constable. The balloon goes up, everybody's called in. And within two hours or so of Payne going missing, there are over 100 cops involved in the case. Officers searched through the night, but by morning, they had no luck. As news broke across the country, the media reached Littlehampton exactly in their droves. It's possible if she moved some distance that, that she could still be hidden somewhere. But we do have to consider uh, there is a growing possibility that she has been abducted. Time is still of the essence, and for that reason, we are prioritising that line of inquiry. It was probably 24 hours after the little girl was reported missing that police started to put out word that they were concerned that there was a missing girl. By that time, it's too which late. Which has the effect of recruiting the general public to be out yep. there as extra eyes and ears to perhaps keep an eye out for this little girl and to search for her. I'm sure in the first 24 hours, most people were looking in the vicinity of the grandparents' home, thinking, well, she's just got herself lost. She's wandered into the woods, she's in the field, or she's wandered off down the road. And it would have been only slowly that the concern would have started to dawn that perhaps she'd been abducted rather than just wandered off and got lost. 
the police only had one lead to work with. Sarah's 13-year-old brother had seen a man behind the wheel of a white van driving away from the scene of the abduction. He was very clear that Sarah fell over and cut her knee. She ran diagonally across the field to get a, go back to Nana, uh, because Nana was at the end of the field. Uh, her house overlooked it. So Sarah runs across the field. Lee thinks, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm the oldest child. I need to supervise this. Sarah disappeared into a hedge. When Lee came out through the same hedge, seconds later, there was no Sarah, and there was a white man driving along the road. As the police searched for potential suspects, the hunt for Sarah continued. Within a couple of days, I can remember the, the scale of this story starting to escalate quite rapidly. The way the police were describing this, they were really concerned. In other words, abduction quite quickly had become a possibility. And they were asking the public to help. And uh, very soon, the public around the area in West Sussex were out in quite big numbers, sort of combing fields and woods and uh, trying to look for this girl. Within a couple of hours, we had over 100 police officers involved. And by the Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, there were 500 police officers involved. And by the Tuesday, so three, three or four days into the, the incident, there were over 1,000 police officers involved. So at one stage, uh, one in three police officers in Sussex were working on this case. It was staggering. Everybody wants to help. Nobody wants to see a child missing. Everybody wants to find that child because a missing child is every family, every parent's worst nightmare. A school photograph of a smiling Sarah Payne was splashed across front pages in a bid to try and find the little girl. That photo of her in her school uniform just swept the world. And uh, I think the, there's not many things as a police officer after all the service I've had and the murders I've investigated that shock me. I was really surprised to see so many satellite bands outside of Littlehampton Police Station uh, from Japan, New Zealand, America, Sweden, Norway. Every country in the world sent a satellite band to report on this case. As the search continued, the police were focusing their efforts on one suspect in particular. Just 24 hours after Sarah Payne's abduction, they had visited with a local man who had been placed on the sex offenders register three years previously, 41-year-old Roy Whiting. We knew where he lived, and he was being regularly visited um, by our uh, sex offender team. Uh, he didn't have a white man, though. He was clearly the, the most appropriate person to look at because of what he did in Crawley a few years before, where he'd abducted a child and then sexually abused her. The only bit of the jigsaw missing was the white van. And of course, when the officers finally traced Whiting on the Sunday afternoon, less than 24 hours after the abduction, there was the white van that no one knew he'd just bought from Southampton. Oh, wow. They chatted to him. He said he'd been at a fun fair in Hove, just down the coast, at the time that Sarah went missing, and so he couldn't have possibly been anywhere near the scene. I think that the way that he actually told that lie, the fact he had the confidence to tell that lie, that suggests to me that he thought he was going to get away with this. He thought the police wouldn't dig too deeply. But as they left, they both said, I'm not very happy about this. 
let's keep an eye on him and see what he does. And they sat in their police car outside the address. Literally minutes later, Whiting comes out and goes to the white van and goes to open the door and out falls a receipt. The two detectives immediately got out of their car and headed back towards Whiting for a closer look at the receipt. It was from a petrol station on a road far from Hove, dated Saturday, July the 1st, the day Sarah Payne had been abducted. That's God right here. He lied. Yeah. Because the A24 is several miles north of the A27. Probably it's going her. towards Crawley, and it's nowhere near Hove. Her spirit. So that small receipt falling out yep. the door as the officers stepped up to question him again, the second time they've spoken to him, showed one, he lied about where he was on Saturday night, and two, that he'd been in a different location to where he said he was. And those officers made a very brave decision to arrest him on suspicion of abduction. Police seized the white van for exactly, forensic Chris. testing. Exactly. And Whiting was taken in for questioning. But he wasn't telling the detectives anything. We know you're a paedophile, and we know you lied about where you were Saturday night. But of course, we didn't have Sarah. We didn't know if she was alive or dead. We didn't know where she was. Uh, and he was going no comment. So the inevitable happened. We had to release him. Throughout, oh, wow. he doesn't explain at any point to the police, doesn't help the police with their inquiries. He does his best to conceal his guilt. He does in no way tries to alleviate any of the suffering that Sarah and Michael Payne were going through. Heartless would be a pleasant way of describing Whiting. At a press conference on Monday, July the 3rd, two days after her disappearance, Sarah Payne's parents made an emotional appeal for her safe return. We need a home now. Why didn't they get Today, a warrant for, for his van? Quickly as we possibly can. I don't know, right? Like, I don't understand. Like, obviously... He lied about a, a lot of different things. Why didn't they get a warrant for his van? I think, well, if it's like U.S., I mean, you need probable cause technically. So just because he's a pedophile and has a past case and he lied where he was, doesn't technically give you the right to say, oh, he kidnapped that little girl. He could have just lied to being at a show, but he could have been, you know, just because he was, you know, whatever. He was doing something else that was not right. But it's technically not like in the U.S. You can't technically get in trouble for lying unless there's factual evidence to prove that it was part of the whole type of thing. Like you could but lie. That, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't that be considered probable cause just because he did lie? I mean, and way yes, but no, because it's same thing with people get pulled over with marijuana in legal states now over in the states. Yeah where the cop will say, well, I smell weed. And it's like, well, I didn't smoke. And even though if you did or whatever, he'll pull you out of the car and then give you a test. Even though he knows because he smells the weed, it's not enough probable cause just for him to arrest you. He has to actually find factual evidence, which is why they do the whole sobriety and they do all that to show on camera that you're actually physically out of the demeanor of yourself. Just one example, I believe, is the reason. Yeah, okay. She's alive. The thing that impressed everybody and the thing that made people cry in the room was her undying belief, her unswerving belief that Sarah was coming home. And every day, in every press briefing, she spoke to Sarah and said, we were coming, we know you're there, we love you. 
mean, I'm getting emotional doing it now. And she did that day in, day out for a long time. And it was hugely emotional. And it was also hugely genuine. People saw it for what it was. And it, it, it was incredible, actually. Sarah, if you're watching, Mommy loves you. And we miss you. And we're looking for you, darling, and we're going to find you. Okay. We're going to find you. Two weeks pass without any sign of Sarah Payne. Chances of finding the missing eight-year-old girl were becoming slim. As long as there's no news, there's always hope that a child who's vanished will be found again. But as every policeman and expert will tell you, if they're not found within the first 24 or 48 hours, there is a law of diminishing returns. The chances of finding them alive and well start to reduce quite radically. Everybody was desperate that this bonny little child who they'd seen in pictures, who they heard from the parents, they'd heard from her brothers and her sister, they all wanted her to come home safe. But you knew that behind that, people's hopes were, were finding it hard to maintain hope. The longer it goes on, you know that that hope is perhaps ill-founded. The police were certain that convicted paedophile Roy Whiting was responsible for Sarah's disappearance, but they had so far found no evidence to link him to the crime. I lost sleep over this. I mean, this is a guy who's abducted a little girl and um, horribly uh, abused her sexually. This is a man who is suspected of abducting and possibly sexually abusing another little girl who could still be alive and we can't find her and we've got to let him go because there's not enough evidence to charge him. And what happens if he takes a third child? I mean, I had nightmares about it. I literally had nightmares over the first few weeks. But you have to work within the law. And we didn't have enough to charge him. And he was bailed and released. Um, and a few of us held our breath. What's going to happen next? Over a fortnight after the disappearance of eight-year-old Sarah Payne, the police were sure that a local man, Roy Whiting, was responsible for her abduction. But they had no solid evidence to prove it. As the search continued for the missing schoolgirl, breaking news on July the 17th, 2000, confirmed what everyone had been dreading. Then came that day that we'd all feared. I'm sure the whole country had feared. The police announced that they had found the body of what they believe was a child about 30 feet away from a relatively main trunk road, the A29, partially covered just off a footpath. And I think we all held our breath collectively in news studios, in newsrooms, and around the country, and homes right across the nation, hoping that it wasn't the worst, but fearing that it probably was. The first thing I can confirm with you now is as a result of the post-mortem that was carried out in the early hours of this morning, this is now a murder inquiry. The second thing that you will obviously be wishing to anticipate is that we have been able to identify that the body in the field 
half a mile from here is Sarah Payne's. That was um, a black day for the inquiry and a black day for the country, really, because everyone was still living in hope of a little girl coming home, and she didn't come home. She was found lying dead in a field, and she deserved better than that. Sarah had been found in a shallow grave on the edge of a farmer's field. Experts believe that the, the burial site where Sarah's body was found was dug by Roy Whiting very soon after he'd murdered her. So here is a sexual offender who wants to get this all over with very quickly. And it's almost as if he's, he's just closing that chapter, saying, right, that's done, I'm moving on. There's absolutely no sense of remorse, no sense of empathy with Sarah whatsoever. He's got what he wanted and he's finished. There was no forensic evidence on Sarah's body, so once again, the police were left frustrated. They had a receipt that proved that Roy Whiting was in the region at the time, but that was all. They needed some hard evidence, and a 999 call soon gave them that. The day that um, her body was found, that prompted the lady to pick up the phone and say, I should have told you before, but I saw a child's shoe at the Coolum Crossroads, and that shoe transformed the case. This innocuous tip-off led police to the small hamlet of Coolum in West Sussex, just eight miles from where Sarah's body had been discovered. They were certain the shoe could help unlock the case, and about 150 metres from the road where it had first been spotted, they found it discarded in a field. That was a very emotional time because Sarah and her family were just coming to terms with losing Sarah. And then you do what every cop dreads to do, which is walk in with a plastic bag, an evidence bag, and say, I'm sorry, but is this yours? And we realised the significance of what we had. We had a man who was going no comment. We had a man that we just didn't have enough to charge. And suddenly, we found the shoe as a, a direct route from the petrol station to where she was found murdered. Hugely important and very emotional for the family to say, oh, my God, that's my daughter's shoe. The small, child-size 13 shoe was sent off for forensic testing. Martin was confident they would find something they could use as evidence. It was a Velcro shoe. And Velcro is one of the most aggressive forensic capturers you'll ever find. Um, a piece of Velcro will grab hundreds of things a day. And that's what this did. This strap on this girl's shoe had literally hundreds of fibres, bits of grass, bits of earth, hair. The number one suspect, Roy Whiting, had moved back to his hometown of Crawley and was living with his father. Rumours of his involvement in Sarah's murder had spread like wildfire. By this time, Whiting was known locally as a person of interest in the inquiry, indeed the possible killer of Sarah Payne, whose body has then now been discovered. Vigilantes attack Whiting's father's house. They threw bricks through the window, they uh, shout outside, and so Whiting takes himself off and, of all unlikely things, goes to camp in a tent not all that far from the estate in Crawley where he abducted the girl in 1995. Feeling the pressure, Whiting's next move was a bizarre one. 
Whiting is clearly tormented. And during this period of the summer of 2000, he decides to steal a car. And then when the police went to stop him, he drove off at speed. Uh, and in fact, drove down a road the wrong way and a high-speed chase ensued. Faster and faster, Whiting driving this rather tired Vauxhall as quickly as he can, eventually crashes it into another car. He's caught by the police who chased him and, of course, is charged with stealing the vehicle. This really is quite kind of out of control. It's, it's quite reckless. And it's because he's not thinking that far ahead. He hasn't actually considered the eventuality that he needs to get away. And when he does realise that that's a possibility, he does the, the most ludicrous things because he, he hasn't got a plan. On July the 23rd, 2000, Roy Whiting was arrested and charged with dangerous driving. He would have to remain in custody until his hearing. And that was an amazing moment for me because the risk level, the threat to the public disappeared. And we knew we had him. And all I had to do was keep that man in prison until we could prove he killed or abducted Sarah Payne. Whiting's time in custody would give detectives the chance to build a case against him. They knew that if they were going to arrest him for Sarah's murder, they had to get it right. Whilst he's in prison, police go back and re-examine his white Fiat van. Bear in mind, a white van had been seen in the lane where Sarah had gone missing. And they find in it, eventually, through very, very meticulous forensic testing, a blonde hair. The blonde hair was a 10 million to one shot that it had to be Sarah Payne. There was really very little forensic doubt. The blonde hair discovered on Whiting's sweatshirt was a huge breakthrough in the case, and more strong evidence was still to come from the forensic teams. We found fibres in that shoe which linked Whiting to the shoe and linked the shoe to Sarah. I think it was the icing on the cake for the case. It was the missing piece of the jigsaw, and then we, we had him and we had him big time. And slowly they were able to build a strong enough case against Roy Whiting to charge him with the abduction and murder of Sarah Payne. It felt good, actually. I just kept thinking, you can't do this anymore now. We're not gonna let you do this anymore because it's not okay what you did. And then the hard work started. We had to get the case to trial. On February the 6th, 2001, while serving 22 months for the car theft, Roy Whiting was arrested in his prison cell and charged with the abduction and murder of Sarah Payne, seven months after the disappearance of the schoolgirl. Soon after being arrested in Kent this morning, Roy Whiting was driven in a people carrier back to Sussex. As he arrived at Bognor Police Station, an egg was thrown at the vehicle by one of several onlookers. I got home and cried. That was the culmination of months of work to not just deliver for Sarah's family. I'd built a relationship with the Payne family. I respected the Payne family. 
and they deserved us doing this. They deserved justice. And so lots of emotions going through me. Uh, I've done this for the Payne family. I've also done this for the public because by charging this monster, we're keeping a third kid safe. But Roy Whiting wasn't going to go down without a fight. The 42-year-old was going to deny all the charges against him. His trial was set for November 2001. He was going to plead not guilty to the murder of Sarah Payne. Detectives hoped that the three key pieces of evidence they had would be enough to convince the jury to put him behind bars forever. When you look at the Coolum shoe and when you look at the red sweatshirt, I mean, there was a lot of either luck or fluke in the way this case came together because we only found out months into the inquiry that he spent Sunday morning steam cleaning the back of that van. Now, we'll never know because he's never spoken to us. Why didn't he steam clean the front of the van? If he'd steam cleaned the front of the van as well, the red sweatshirt would have gone and we would have lost a crucial piece of evidence, arguably the most important bit of evidence against Roy Whiting. And the Buck Barn receipt, I mean, he could have just thrown that away at the time. The chance of it falling out on the floor and an officer saying, what's that, let me look at it, was incredible. All those three things came together to create a pretty convincing piece of evidence, but it's never lost on me that actually all those three things could have disappeared and we would never have solved that case. Prosecutor Timothy Langdale QC came up against a wall of denial from Whiting. Well, his defence, to put it bluntly, was, I didn't do it, and I've no idea what, how there would be a hair of Sarah Payne's on anything in my van, and I'm not responsible for her death. The judge had ruled the jury were not allowed to know about Whiting's previous conviction for sexual abuse on a child in 1995, which made the case against him harder to prove. It was an emotional 19 days in the courtroom. I think one of the most moving moments of the trial was when it was put to him that effectively he threw this poor, innocent girl into the back of a white Ducato van which he turned into a moving prison. It defies imagining what she must have suffered. There is no possible way anyone could forgive that kind of atrocity, that kind of depraved behavior. This was a girl he didn't know, entirely innocent, cheerful, smiling, as every picture always showed her, who fell into the hands of what could only be described as a monster. After nine hours of deliberation, on Wednesday, December the 12th, 2001, the jury had reached their decision. Roy Whiting was guilty of the murder of Sarah Payne. I can't believe for one moment that had he got off the killing of Sarah Payne, he wouldn't have returned to the same modus operandi that he'd used in 1995 and 2000. It would have been a tragedy. The four-week trial was torturous for the Payne family who were in the courtroom throughout. The pressure, in particular, Never understand on that. Sarah's mother, Sarah. I know, I know why, but hearing I wouldn't be able to this evidence that. about nope. the terrible death of her daughter and having to sit there and listen to Whiting 
and one member of the family I seem to remember, and again one can perhaps hardly blame him, said, may you rot in hell, or something to that effect. But that was the only time anybody gave vent to any kind of emotional response, and that was after Whiting had been convicted. On December the 12th, 2001, Judge Mr Justice Curtis sentenced Whiting to life imprisonment. He was sent to Wakefield Prison. It was only after the trial that Whiting's previous conviction was read out to the court. The judge said he'd be recommending that Whiting be kept in prison for the rest of his life. This was met by the loudest cries of yes in court. Whiting was taken away to begin that sentence tonight. This doesn't make us happy, but justice has been done. Sarah can rest in peace now. But let's make sure that this stops happening time and time again. It's always shocking to think that somebody can be convicted of an act as awful as a paedophile attack to be put away in prison, to be put on the sexual offenders register, and yet to be free to harm again. Not that long afterwards, five years later, surely our system is better than that, that it should better prevent these repeat offenses as Whiting managed to carry out. The reverberations surrounding the tragic murder of Sarah Payne can still be felt today. One thing I think in the news we tend to forget about is the aftermath of these terrible cases. And it was a long time afterwards you start to be more aware of the tragic impact that a child's abduction and murder has on all those around them, the whole family, probably friends as well. Traumatized by it, never to be the same. And in the case of the pains, Sarah, the mother, appeared to be very strong and pushed through her great political campaign to get legislation changed. And to have something in this country called Sarah's Law, which was the equivalent to an American device called Megan's Law. In other words, you had the right to know where registered sex offenders lived in your area. And Sarah Payne's mother campaigned, with the help of the News of the World, to introduce this right. But it seemed that in the struggle to do that, to compensate for the loss of her child, that immense pressures were put on the marriage with Michael, and eventually he had problems with oh, really? alcoholism, mental issues, depression. And sadly, Michael left us too early. And there's no doubt about it that the contribution of Sarah's abduction of Whiting's murder of his daughter and the stresses and strains that produced uh, led to his early death. Well, I hope he's, he's now with Sarah. That's awful. Sarah's mother had a stroke, now walks with some considerable difficulty and is throughout behaved with the most enormous dignity and complete grace to this utterly poisonous man. I think her behaviour has been exemplary. I have uh, the utmost respect for Sarah.
She was incredible. And my admiration for her in the way she steered her family, her children, and her friends through this was incredible. The abduction and murder of Sarah Payne has become one of the most infamous crimes in British history. I think murders like this, the, the murder of Sarah Payne, capture so much attention because this could have been anybody's child, anybody's sister, yeah, anybody's daughter. Um, and it's that, that idea of risk, that idea of stranger danger as being something that really feeds into the paranoia of parenting in contemporary society. It was a watershed because it changed the way the police and society looked at the child abduction. I think it really brought the horror of child abduction into everyone's house for the first time. It was about the time that 24-7 TV arrived and it was a massive case and it still is actually. People still talk about the Sarah Payne case. It's changed history. Her legacy is that a lot of children now are safer than they were in 2000. And that's a hell of a legacy for any person. Since Roy Whiting has been in prison, he's been viciously attacked on two occasions by fellow inmates. He will be eligible for parole in 2041 at the age of 82. I tend to think of him as being more pathetic than evil, but in the end, he did the most evil of acts. He killed another human being, and in this case, he killed an eight-year-old girl. There are a few worse crimes in our society. So he will go down as an evil man. I think the family need closure, even now. They would want to know what happened to their daughter. There are various unanswered questions. I don't think Warren Whiting will ever speak now. And I hope he rots in hell. Yeah, uh, I, end, I ended it, uh, I actually ended it at that part. Um, there was a little bit more, but not much, but... Uh... I think that's, I think that was very fitting for this man. Yeah, he deserved this. He deserved this. I mean, what he did to that family, that little girl, and then the poor mother loses the husband on top of it because of everything that happened. I mean, that is just horrible. I mean, and like, as like, I'm not a parent, but I, you know, having my little nieces and stuff like that, I, I care for them so much. And I couldn't imagine something like this happening to them. Like, cause I would, I would literally want to kill the person like he would not live. He would not live in jail for the rest of his life. I would at least get into that jail, whether I had to commit a crime and then kill him myself, even if it came down to yeah. that, because I could never live with that. I could never in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a parent, like, uh, obviously I'm a parent. I have a, I have a, well, he's 23 year and he's 23 years old now, but even back then when he was a child, um, I never took my eye off him at all ever um even when he was at the park i was watching him at the park or if we were yeah. in a mall i was watching i was holding his hand or or whatever yeah. and uh he never left my sight because as a parent you always have that fear and it is really really sad world that you have to have that fear and yeah. um, children are supposed to be children and supposed to have fun and play with other kids and losers like this um I, I, the death penalty is, um, I'm, I'm sorry, but they need to bring it back in some cases, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, they got rid of the death penalty, 
uh, in Canada years and years and years ago. Um, and I understand why they get rid of it. They got rid of it because um, in certain circumstances, people are innocent. No, oh, yeah. And been wrongfully accused. And there's been people that have been put to death that haven't, that were innocent. Yeah. Um, That's where but, our justice system fails. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. But um, my heart goes out to everybody involved in this case. And, you know, you could even see the look in the, in the inspector's eyes and uh, the people that were involved in this case, like the horror, like he even said that he didn't, he didn't sleep. He was having nightmares. How about I can't father, even imagine. How about the father's look the entire time? You didn't hear him speak once. He was so devastated. I mean, yeah. it's amazing the mother had enough strength to say all those things every day. Because like I said, I don't know what I would do in that situation, man. I would be lost, broken. My whole world would be tipped completely 360. Yeah. And unfortunately, him taking his own life is 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 really sad in all this as well. Yeah. Um, it's 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 all it's we a can terrible, hope for. terrible tragedy. And hopefully, yeah. um, if there's anything that if there's anything good that comes out of this, that um and I'm sure it has because of the Sarah's law, but uh um because to because to be honest, for him to only get four years in jail for the nineteen ninety five case was yeah. it's absolutely outrageous. Like mm -hmm. it was a one off. The man had the man um took a uh how old was she? Nine? Yeah. A nine year old girl. Yeah. And they only got four years because yeah, the doctor crazy. said it was a yeah. one off. I don't care if it's a one off. The man yeah. did what he did. He should be spending the rest of his life in jail. Exactly. It's um, a one-off. How do you even say and, that? <laughs> and, you know, it's like, and this is what's always interesting about these these cases. They've always done something before. They got nailed for it, and they only get a short time for something that's like absolutely outrageous what they did. And, yeah. But if this guy was still in jail, Sarah would still be alive today. And yeah. uh, it's unfortunate. But it doesn't mean he wouldn't have gone out and would have done it to somebody else. But oh, um, you're absolutely right. And I wanted to say, Jeff said um, he actually brought up a good point on the death penalty. In this instance, some people deserve to live out the rest of their days tortured. Roy is one of them. I do agree, but I disagree. And the reason why I disagree is because nowadays jails are becoming like you're free. Basically, besides sitting in a small room, I mean, like a closet sized room. Other than that, you can get a tablet now. You can get a PlayStation, a TV. If you have them compensary, you can get anything. I mean, legally and illegally. Like, so it's really not torture, to be honest, for some of these people. And I, that's where people need to wrap their head around. Like, yes, jail is torture. Like prison is torture. But for these people... That isn't what, like, especially for this instance, hurting a little child, I don't think that that is a torture for them to get to live the rest of their days out while that poor child never got to live the rest of their days out. So that's my only disagreement. But I agree exactly with what he's saying, though. Because yeah. on some instances, I do understand what he's saying. But I have to say one more thing, and, and that is, is that over here in the States, I don't know if this is happening in Canada, but in the States, they're trying to actually make pedophiles or pedophilia as a mental disorder, a disability. People are advocating for this fucking shit. Excuse my language. But it's making me so angry because can you not see how sickening that is? I don't care if it's a mental disability. I don't give a shit what you want to call it. You do not hurt a little child. 
You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's so wrong. Nothing like that in Canada. Um, but oh, it wouldn't God. be it wouldn't surprise me if something like that comes out down the road. You it's know, crazy. But, you gotta look into it. It's crazy. Uh that's that's nuts. And you know, um, yeah, it's 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 I don't see anything like that happening in Canada, but you know us usa we're a little crazy so you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm not touching that one buddy not right, touching yeah. that one. i'm allowed to because i live here yeah it's all good <laughs> yeah but uh very very uh very very sad case very very interesting case i'm actually looking at pictures of him right now um he's 64 years old and i'm assuming this um, is when he was 60. I, like, obviously, he looks 64. But I will say the picture that is up, his face is like, he's got a lot of bruises all over it. And uh, he's got a, he's got two black eyes. He's got uh, yeah. some scratches on his face, his nose. It looks like he was beat up. Yeah. So, well, I mean, if you're if you're in population, if you're a pedophile or someone who has done anything with a child, especially in the United States in prison, um, the inmates don't stand for nothing with children that yeah. disrespecting mothers. I mean, there's a lot that they don't stand for. So a lot of these pedophilias get stuck in uh, basically a protective custody. So basically that torture just gets taken away from them. They're living out their days just in a small little room, which is still torture. But in my opinion, it's not good enough torture, you know, for the things that they've done. Yeah. But I totally agree with what you're saying. I totally agree with what you're saying, Jeff. I know what you meant for sure, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's uh, uh, very interesting and very sad, and uh, definitely, um, definitely, this man doesn't deserve to be alive right now. Sorry, um, no, nope. he should be. He should be gone. He should be gone. And and uh, there's not much else to say after that. But I definitely want to thank everybody that came into the room today and uh, left your comments. As always, we really, really appreciate it. I do want to repeat what I said at the beginning of the show. We are not glorifying these people. Uh, we were just showing, um, we're just showing, um, how do you, how, how should I say that, AJ? We're not like. We're, we're just trying to get awareness out. So that yeah, nothing I guess, like yeah. happens again. Like I said, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like an yeah. awareness so that we can help these families too if they have something like petitions or anything that we can help them as well. It's like just getting the awareness out so that people can protect themselves more in some way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Be more I aware. Agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But again, thank you for everybody that thank came you. in the room today. I want to thank the people that are listening on the podcast about this show or yes. about this show, for this show. With the show. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Thank you All for listening. Thank you All for listening love. to this show. We really, really appreciate it. And yeah. if you did watch uh watch uh the show today, if you can give it a like, share it out for us, uh, so uh, people are aware of what happened to this little girl. And and uh hopefully um someday this kind of stuff is gonna stop. You know what I mean? And yeah. um it's sad, but Again, I'm going to say my goodbyes. AJ. All right. My name is AJ Gapasso. Thank you so much for tuning into this. Check us out on all the podcast listening platforms and right here on Facebook on Parapost Network Central Sunday nights at 7 p.m. And Roy Whiting or Whitting, whatever you want to call your name, you are guilty. And this has been Case Closed.